Hi, everyone. I'm talking to Brontez Purnell, author of 100 Boyfriends. Brontez Purnell is a writer, musician, dancer, filmmaker, and performance artist. He is the author of a graphic novel, a novella, a children's book, and the novel Since I Laid My Burden Down. The recipient of a 2018 Writer's Award for Fiction, he was named one of the 32 black male writers of our time by T, the New York Times Style Magazine in 2018. Purnell is also the frontman for the band The Younger Lovers, a co-founder of the experiment dance group the Brontes Purnell Dance Company, the creator of the renowned cult zine Fag School, and the director of several short films, music videos, and the documentary Unstoppable featuring the dances of Ed Mock. Born in Tryon, Alabama, he's lived in Oakland, California for more than a decade. Transgressive, foul-mouthed, and brutally funny, A Hundred Boyfriends is a revelatory spiral into the imperfect lives of queer men desperately fighting the urge to self-sabotage. As they tiptoe through minefields of romantic, substance-fueled misadventure from dirty warehouses and gentrified bars in Oakland to desolate farm towns in Alabama, Purnell's characters strive for belonging in a world that dismisses them for being black, broke, and queer. In spite of it, or perhaps because of it, they shine. Hi, Brontez. Thanks for being here. Hi. How's it going? Great. I'm really excited uh, to talk to you. Um, The epigraph for this book is Fuck All Y'all. Since this (laughs) is a book of short stories, I'm wondering if this was the mood in working on the book itself, like if you knew where each story was building or if you looked at the finished stories and realized they were all saying fuck all y'all at the end. I like, well... Another friend brought up this really interesting point that it's funny that it says fuck all y'all at the front of the book and then in the book everyone gets fucked. <laughs> so <laughs> um it's a uh, yeah, no, it's that I think that could be like kind of a mood too, like, but I mean also you could read it coming from a voice of a lot of hurt or blah blah blah. But then also I just think ultimately it's it's probably more positive than that. It's just be like, bye. <laughs> on to my 40s like (laughs) when they're done that (laughs) is that is that it is that the mood of the book not that you have to like sum it up in one word but if it's it's your epigraph for a reason oh my god yeah i mean kind of man i'll say in a tongue-in-cheek way sure like you know how do we how do we think of all all of the exes at once or you know i don't know I've said this a lot before, but I think writing sex, literally describing the different acts of it can be a bit of a challenge for most authors. It's hard to get it right. Most people don't do it well, unfortunately. One thing, though, that I think that Queer Lit does so well is just to say it for what it is. And your prose does does that. It doesn't create any elaborate sex scenes necessarily. A guy shows up somewhere and the next thing you know, he's blowing another guy. A dick is just called a dick. When it's hard, it's hard. You know, the sexual (laughs) language, it's not flowery. And... I don't know. I wonder, do you agree this is something that queer lit is just better at doing? And in comparison, is it fair to call it a failure in heterosexual literature? (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. Like, but I think, you know what I think, though? Like, ultimately, this, this book, like, paints a lot of sex scenarios. But it's, like, very humanist that and then it paints, like, the very disappointing 
aspects of like sexual scenarios and you know whenever like it's like hetero or porn writing or even a lot of gay erotic fiction it's very like it's very aggrandizing of sex and it's very like you know like you have to just paint it as like he fell into his arms his muscular abs throbbing you know what i'm saying when really it was just like oh like the shit i write it's just like oh like he wanted to have morning sex but i was like gassy and that's like when i think about you know my childhood and i just can't put out and like as long as you're like having like this full experience of like you know sex becomes like this crazy metaphor in like romantic novels when really it's more just like it's like this kind of really human function and like true people who are truly comfortable with themselves i think and truly comfortable in the world there has to be a second where you look at sex and you're just kind of like actually this is like breathing eating going to the gym like you know what i'm saying like yes it can be performative if you want it to some people do that but some people really just treat this as biological function and i think that that's where we get into like answering a lot more interesting questions about how we interface with sex you know once we see it as something like that all humans do so that's what how you were trying to write about it from that perspective that makes total sense to me yeah um on page 81 features three words I don't think I'm allowed to say, but you're allowed to say. Um, it starts with uppity black. <laughs> Am I allowed to say? Uh, Uppity black faggot? There like, we go. <laughs> there she is. Am I allowed to say it? I don't think I'm allowed. I have to I like, thought about it before. Like, we're sisters. Like, it's fine. No, seriously. Like, it's like colloquially and just how we talk about it. Yeah, like it'd be different if you were like some alt right host, like, 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 with like I don't know, like a fucking Rush Limbaugh shirt. Like, so context is everything, right? Like, I hate that on Facebook I can't say faggot anymore. Well, you can't. Oh, they literally don't let you. Oh, they they don't let anybody say it, and I'm just kind of like I don't know, or like when I'm with my closest girlfriends, it's just like there's. Because there's just nothing else that just hits the mood. And it's a word that means something. Like, sometimes you're a faggot. Like, it's like, like Yeah. To- that's, listen. Okay. Yeah. Like, let me tell you something. Like, on grant applications or when people are introducing me, like, I don't let them be like, Brontes Purnell, a queer person of color. I'm like, no. Like, I am a <laughs> black, old school homosexual. I am a fag get like i got my ass beat in grade school like i had a lisp like fucking people think i'm a woman on the phone I, you know what i'm saying <laughs> like <laughs> like let's talk about it like it's just, let me tell you something man gentrification of terms like goes like deep like oh so like, you, people, we live in a culture of fear people are scared that's what it is but, like, once everything becomes a queer person of color, too, and I'm not trying to say this to star shit, like, yo, you'll be sitting on a grand panel with, like, a straight-up white woman being, like, I'm, like, 186 Choctaw Indian, talking about how she's, like, queer, but, like, her husband and three children are that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've gentrified this term so goddamn much to where, like, that's who's been sitting at the table. And so I'm just like, y'all, I'm a black fucking faggot. Like, period. Like, don't ever... Don't fucking ever in your life mistake me. Like it's and I hate that I've had to come at it so aggressively, but damn, like they won't let off my fucking neck. So I just have to like, <laughs> like you know, I just let them know. Like 
we're releasing this in June, which is like Pride Month in Montreal. And Juneteenth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Push through North America. The celebratory end of fucking chattel. Chattel slavery. Oh, the chattel. Day is Juneteenth in Canada. <laughs> um, wait, happened in Canada? Juneteenth? No. Oh, wait, really? Not in Canada? I don't think so. Like, I've never heard of it as like a Canadian thing. No. Oh, I- but shouldn't they do it? I mean, like, a, I feel like it's like a, a, a pan North American celebration at this point. Like, you know, like, surely y'all do Cinco de Mayo, right? Like, Canadians celebrate our Juneteenth in August. This is the first time I'm ever hearing about it. I just Googled. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll fly up. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Juneteenth two months in a row. This is great. Oh my God. Um, but okay, so uppity black faggot. Who, yeah. What is that? Um, question. Who are who are we talking about here? Okay, like at this point, who is the uppity black faggot? You know, like he is conceptually middle class. Um, you know, has interracial sex, but sparingly. May or may not be a neoliberal fundamentalist piece of shit, but fucking is like you know definitely comes from a broke place. You know, that's where the fucking that's where the uppities has come from. It's just like yo, don't try me. So. Yeah, I think I used to be very, um, I used to be very friendly, but yeah, like I just, you know, ever since my gray hair started showing, I was just like, yo, like you're not. Wait, are you reading yourself right now? Because I, I Um, and like in terms of uppity black faction, yeah, like myself and several others, I think it's a, it's definitely a trope in a, in our society of like who who this uppity black faggot is like where did he come from where is he going but like <laughs> that should be a whole nother essay quite frankly now that you make me think about it i mean i would love to read that but i want to focus on the uppity part because i know what black is and i know what gay is but what's what is what's this uppity part oh like uppity like stuck up like but that can take on a lot of that can take on up a lot of meanings like you know like how sometimes like the prettiest girl in the room is called uppity because she's not talking to anyone when in all actuality she's the prettiest so she has to like protect herself like she can't just be talking to any fucking clown but so you know it's like a i think it's a I think it's a word that the, that's kind of a double-edged sword, but then also I think it has like lots of weird southern leanings too. Because tell me about that. No one, I don't, I don't hear it as much as the West Coast as I did growing up in Alabama. Like calling, referring to something as uppity or like kind of like goes up in the air. Is it rampant? Like, do we Wait. live in a world? Should I be opening my eyes more? If like if there's way oh like do, are is there lots of uppity black faggotry in the world? Oh my god, I would hope so. If there's any justice, there is. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I know I'm part of the problem, but only I'm only one. I can only do so much. Um, yeah, like uh, <laughs> I'll I'll say it, but like if you see it going on in your town, like support it, throw money at it, you know, back it up, like yeah, it's like <laughs> it's a movement, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Um, I don't know. I, I want to sit with this for a moment because I send it to you on Urban Dictionary because I'm wondering <laughs> if it, like, let me see, am I explaining this right? 
Because uh, you're making it sound like both a good and a bad thing. And I guess why? Yeah. Yeah. It sits in a duality, yes. It's in a duality. <laughs> but why should it be celebrated? Why should anything uppity be celebrated? I guess. Because I think it's who it's coming from. Because it's just like, right. up, like, black faggots are so shit on. Like, you would hope somebody like that, like, kind of acts with airs. But again, like, if it's like a fucking, you know, a guy with a Rush Limbaugh shirt, fucking busting the F-bombs, like, being arrogant and fucked up, like, one is going to be a lot harder to deal with because one has a lot more societal precedence, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd hope I, um... <laughs> You're pulling up Urban Dictionary right now. No, it's, yeah, I think it's like, it's not, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, it reads uppity, adjective, self-important, arrogant, an uppity sister-in-law is the example. Yeah, I know what arrogance is. I just, there's such a fine line, I think, between, like, so much of, queer culture carries that beautifully and you want to celebrate it and literally people get co-opted and like I celebrate it if you I listen to music I listen to pop music I listen to hip-hop music that stuff it's called exactly okay there we go like that sense of kind of uppity right just how like in American music like the whole landscape of like black expression changed like my family is like blues musicians and I essentially, like, I play, like, rock and roll, but an offshoot. But blues is very much like, oh, the white man that kept me down. Oh, my wife didn't cut up my shoes. Oh, my life's in tatters. This is fucked up. From there, I think shit just got so heavy where that's when you move into, like, kind of, like, disco and, like, hip-hop where the message is, oh, I'm going to strive. I'm going to keep on to the most extreme end of hip-hop. Like, oh, I'm so fucking rich. I don't fuck with anybody, like... Fucking, I'm eating prosciutto wrapped in cantaloupe. I'm a monster. Even my Barbie's got money. Nicki Minaj, like, that's some uppity shit. Like, that that, that bitch is uppity, okay? But we celebrate it, right? You're kind of like, oh, I no, it's like, it's fine, girl. I get it. Okay, yeah, thank you for taking me to the logical end with that. You know, English is, like, hard, like... (laughs) <laughs> like, like, like so many like connotations are happening at once sometimes i like as a writer like i'm just like just trust me don't make me explain it <laughs> okay well i guess i want to talk about sex more because what's especially compelling to me about this book is that and i'm literally reading from the book copy here it's as foul-mouthed as it is there are these totally gripping pockets of tenderness the book is um so much about sex and yeah, like the most meaningless sex, sure. But you place very strategically these pockets of tenderness. I'm thinking of the line on page 39, but this was one of the many holes he had in himself that he always made visible to me. Like that's simultaneously so crude and heartfelt. And I guess I'm asking of this is more a book about intimacy than sex, given that sex is what is there on the surface. I think, I I don't know. Like I think that, those both those things are happening very intentionally and very simultaneously because I just don't think like you don't have one without the other and you have anti-sex I well I I contest that because it's like I feel like truly truly empty sex is just like there's no register there or there's no like I feel like I've met dudes that like are like for real sex zombies mm-hmm. right you know, like, really could just move through men and not tell you anything about the men they've been with, like, well, you know, but 
these characters are like taking very strong like mental notes or like very strong snapshots of like themselves, them, their psyches, potential psyches of other people. And like really just like, I don't know, kind of making like a whole, kind of making like a whole like map of what this like interaction or what this desire is, you know? And so there's no way to write something like that and like not, fuck it. I always say this, but it's like Nikki Giovanni said in that one poem, um, behaviorisms don't really exist outside of feeling or mm. behavior. Yeah, behaviorisms only make sense within feeling, right? Their feelings are like guiding them through all these kind of, these kind of, these kind of moments, you know. And sometimes it's like a really deep need for intimacy might mean you might go and just like fuck a bunch of dudes, you know what I'm saying, just to get at something, you know, just like anything with another person, like something that's very. I mean, no matter how we cut it, there's no such thing as like sex without intimacy. Like sex is like. It is, a, it is probably the most intimate thing you can do. No matter how cavalier we treat it, like it's like, that's a really big statement to make with a body, with another body. Um, or we can, you know, we frame it as fun, we frame it as fleeting or whatever, but that, like kind of that in and of itself, it's like, I think these characters are really like reaching for that, like, you know, for whatever reason, for the right reason or wrong reason, so. It's funny because one of my other questions was like to ask you if you were aware that you wrote this totally refined and elegant book that's just like full of swear words and different sex. <laughs> like not to, I don't want to reduce your book in any way, but like I think it's kind of, uh, you get inundated with with the, the, the kind of bluntness that you approach the sexual relationships in, in the book with the, with the way that you talk about it, kind of like what I was saying about the way that you write about sex. It's not flowery or anything. Um, it's very direct, but the reason that I loved it so much and I think a lot of people are loving it so much is because it's so like fucking poetic. And I'm just wondering if you were thinking about that interplay, you might've just already answered me in what you were saying, but there, you know, there, there's like this push and pull between like a really blunt act and then the way that you're writing about it, which is just gorgeous and elegant. is like the only word I can think about. Shakespeare did that. Oh, like I remember learning about it in high school and it was like, we don't get the very lewd parts of Shakespeare because he wrote it in the 1600s. Right, right. Like, it's like, it's like there's like fart jokes and sex jokes and all this type of weird stuff laced all fucking through it. But like that was his like balance idea. Like he believed that like after experience, I think it's based on the Greek play, the Greek ideal too, that after experience something really dramatic or intense there had to be something comedic in there too like tragedy plus comedy like it had to be like a push and pull or a balance between those things to actually get like you know like an enlightened text so i definitely no i've always thought about that they i've thought about that since i was a teenager when they taught me that so i mean maybe that that is it popping up but to say like no, like I, I, I intentionally balance these things. I'm always thinking about these things. I think about these things in my own interactions. What do you mean in your own interactions? You're like, poetic in your own interactions? No, just like my everyday, my everyday interactions with people, how they are balanced. Like, is this interaction both like, you know, serious and grounded enough in places, but also we're allowed to laugh in places or and also we're allowed to be bored in places. You know what I'm saying? I think that like for the flow of communication to have impact, it does have to have like kind of all these like balances within it and how people are responding and flowing it to it. Or... 
What's your sign? I'm a Cancer double Sagittarius. Libra, double Libra, rising Scorpio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ow! I'm more the Libra. I'm more the Libra. Um, in your acknowledgments, you thank your editor, Jackson Howard, for helping me conjure up the devil with this book. When you wrote the short story, Boyfriend Number 666, The Satanist, could you even dream that Lil Nas X would release that music video for Call Me By Your Name soon after? And can you talk to me a bit about this relationship between black gay men and sin? Oh, God, we're so, oh, black gay men and sin. We're so inundated with it, like, all the time, you know, but... I don't know. There's a long, healthy history of like black Satanist, like because it's like um, in Zora Neale Hurston's book. What was that one book? It's like the Zora Neale Hurston reader on Feminist Press. Like there's a page on it, 132, where she literally talks about this. It's just her talking about her witchcraft practice, and there was mm-hmm. like a whole segment where she like literally talks about like. Um, the deal she made with the devil just laying in the crossroads one night for an hour near 12. She went down to New Orleans to like study magic. Mm-hmm. And it was like, she talks about the night she made the, the, the compact with the devil himself. She like, I laid naked in the road waiting for the King of hell. And I think this was like one of the texts that got her in trouble with her like white sponsor it was just like, yo girl, like, yo, it's like 1942. You can't be writing this. But <laughs> You know, but then I'll be like those weird pictures of like Anton, like LaVey with Sammy Davis Jr. Like supposedly Sammy Davis Jr. was like a member of like the Church of Satan, you know. And do you know the story of like Robert Johnson, like the man who invented blues, like just supposedly Robert Johnson just sat at the crossroads. It's always about the crossroads. I don't know what the fuck that's about. But like he sat on the crossroads one night and like he made a deal with the devil to be able to play his guitar in a certain way. And that's like the metaphorical story of how blues is born. There's a Ralph Macchio movie in the eighties that's based on the Robert Johnson myth. And it's like, you know, so, but also like these, like kind of like these themes like come up anyway, because it's like, what is black male sexuality always associated with? Like mm-hmm. lustfulness, the buck, like literally the dark man, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, sin, lustfulness, like kind of almost the sexuality that you would um, um, be close, satirism, like the satyr, like the, you know, like that wood that wood guy that like runs around with a flute. Wait, actually that's Northern shit. That's some white folk shit. Let me not talk too much, but (laughs) (laughs) these, I can, I can definitely see these things as like being part of that, but then also so much rejection and so much hypocrisy at the hands of the church that Mm -hmm. we throw in. Like, how do we not, I think most of these statements usually present themselves mostly as anti-Christian statements because it's like, when you think about what Christianity, really the true culprit of any of it, like there is not one Christian in the world that could back Christianity and talk shit on like Satanists. Like Satanists are very clear about what they're going to do. Hell, the people that's claiming to be Christian, that's like the fucking that's the priest that's going to molest your child or fuck your wife. Like the one that's like, just like, I love the Lord. You know, that's who you don't trust. So I just, I think this expression is like, it's like natural. And when I saw that video, I was kind of like, Oh my God, I was a black gay Satanist before it was cool. So the face he's making right now, guys, (laughs) you could see it. (laughs) Let's go 
call me radio, but like the face. <laughs> um, I love Nas. I was just like, I was like, that's right, baby. You get on that pole. You ain't gonna want to do that shit in 20 years. Fucking <laughs> like, do it now. Do it now, girl. I mean, there was a moment, right? No, there was a cultural moment. And I, I was part of it. I was like, I saw the video for the first time and I, I had all these feelings. I didn't even know I, I could feel. And I'm not even like a, you know, black gay man watching this. So I guess I'm just kind of wondering, and then thinking about the title of your short story, I was wondering if there's like, if there's something happening right now in that conversation and what that would be is really what I was asking. Oh yeah. I, you know, to be honest though, like whenever like I get, like people are like hit me up and be like, oh, like I love 100 boyfriends. Like, it's never other black gay dudes. It's usually, it's like punk. It's usually women, like cis-identified women of some counter-cultural standing or allyship, you know, uh-huh. who feel into that, who like, and they're like, break it down kind of line for line. And like, my thing is, I just think it's because like, all women know that men ain't shit. And so this book details a lot of it. So who wouldn't kind of feel that way? So like, on top of it being like a very like, definitely like a black gay book with an IQ because that's who's narrating it. The experience in it are so like kind of universal. Like, like I really think hundred boyfriends is like a kind of like, I think why so many people like latch on to it is because I'm describing something that's probably like really, really common. Mm-hmm. It happens very often, but you know, language is so fucked up. They never give us the actual through line just to be able to plainly state what the problem is. Mm-hmm. So I think it plainly states what the problem with like just hooking up men, looking for your self-validation or worth in men like can really bring. And so I think that that's why a lot of people ally with it. Like, so I, I, yeah, I think it's funny because you were just saying like, oh, me, I'm not a black gay man, but I still like what just in us talking, like I know you that you were like, the target audience for what the fuck I was saying. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I always, um, yeah, I always feel like that part I like I tend to amend or whatever or think about a lot. So, what do you love about the short story form? Oh my god! Like, I just think like I don't know. I think it's like where I totally shine. Like, since I laid my burn down was like a novel. And I'm currently writing a novel, but my first book, Johnny, Would You Love Me If My Dick Were Bigger, were like short stories and essays. And so I really just wanted to return to that. And also my friends are fucking like old whores with ADHD. Like it's like you essentially, like I think it's, there is, has to be something said about making something with that kind of Twitter IQ of literature, you know, like where like people can like sit it down and pick it up, but still feel like an integrated thing is happening. Like, I love that Twitter um, IQ of literature. I love that. I, I think, like, you know, I hope, oh, God, I hope I don't regret saying that one day. But it's, um, I think it. I mean, it can be a really bad thing. But in the context that you're describing it, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, like, it's like, but I also think that that's why so many people, like, picked it up or weren't afraid to engage with it. Because there's, like, people, like, hitting me up being like, yo, I haven't read a book in six years. Or I haven't read a book in three years. Or I haven't read a, you know what I'm saying? I'm I was surprised at how many people don't really like read, but like, I guess I don't read as many as I used to either, but also in your pathway to like getting back into the habit of reading, I think that this is a good starter text for anybody. So were you aware of that when you were writing it? 
I've always kind of had that style just because of like the kind of writing school I came from. Like I was, when I first moved to San Francisco, a lot of the work, writing workshops I went to were like flash fiction workshops where like they take the short story form and like condense it down into like, you know, the 600 or 700 word story, which actually is way harder, honestly. Like I totally think it's way harder, yeah. It's like kind of crazy to like get a something going in that, but I that kind of punchiness or like that kind of the inertia or where the story hits a hook, like that I definitely learned those arts early. So yeah, like intentional, maybe, maybe not within the core of my training, definitely. Starting with the last sentence of page 71 and 72, I'm going to read just that paragraph. He remembered the days it had been a quote-unquote punk dive bar, i.e. a shittier and cooler version of itself. He remembered when all the booths had holes in them and there was graffiti everywhere, some of it even dating back to the late 80s. It looked dirty, it felt dirty, it was dirty. His mind switched quickly to how okay the quote-unquote newness and the gentrification in general felt, but then on the flip side was the flawed reasoning of loving something or thinking it quote-unquote authentic just because it seemed to be surviving neglect and abuse. He wondered if this was how he saw himself. Then the scene in his head switched back to the fight with his ex-boyfriend. To me, this paragraph is thinking about authenticity and comparing it to cultural capital, you know, punk we have a character here who is thinking about it with his regards, with his ability to love and to be loved. And I wonder what um, authentic love means to you. Um, authentic love. I don't, it looks so many, it looks so many ways, right? But I would hope like in a long-term, like I would hope in like a long-term setting, like authentic love, just means like there does come a point where you do not have to often explain yourself. It's where like, um, it's where your needs aren't met, but like your needs are also anticipated. It's like, um, it is having to say you're sorry and having to say you're sorry quite well and often. Like it's, um, I think it's loyalty and time. Like, I think it's, like, you know, I'm finally on the mark where, like, I finally have, like, you know, close friendships that have been, like, over a decade. Like, I've, like, been in this person's life and checking in with them and just, like, so side by side, like, for a decade. And, like, you know, you don't get that too often, like, in life, you know. So, you know, kind of... um I don't know. that Like, kind of, like, that sense of marriage or whatever. It's, like, good or bad not bad 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 but you know like bad that we can get through like you know making this agreement to do that um authentic love is a lot of work it's constant constant work i'm 31 to anyone my age who hasn't done drugs yet what would you say to them <laughs> like don't woo. um i would say i'd say i'd say we'd be very 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 careful i think i'm glad i tried a bunch of gnarly shit like young just to know that like i don't know it was like i didn't like it or it was gonna be okay um 
But I don't know. Just I don't know. Well, just don't like. Oh God, let me. Let me there's ask- nothing I can say. Like being in the recovery community, there's nothing I could say that I would like. I don't want to sound judgmental. I don't want to like. Right. Oh y'all. And actually, you know what I'm gonna say? Don't. Just don't. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> That's interesting because. My next question, and I wrote this question as, like, I wrote this question out is, what are your thoughts on feeding desire? And then I started, like, laughing alone in my apartment because, like, duh, it's this book. <laughs> like, But the desire that's fed in this book often leads to messiness. It leads to, you know, hungover painful mornings or heartbreak or unrequited love or feelings in general, which is, I think, where a general social warning heeds from when it comes to um, pleasure. And having always having fun is always painted as a slippery slope towards this line of like capital T too much fun. And I guess I just wanted to know if, if what your thoughts were on that because this book is so indulgent. The characters in this book are so indulgent. Um, but I guess what you're saying is that there is, there, there, I don't know, like what is the balance? Like I don't think you're, I think you like fun. No, but yeah, like I think, I don't know, fun is, no, fun is like great, you know, mm-hmm. but then it's like, yeah, I definitely, there definitely is a sense in the writing of like everything in moderation, including moderation, right? Right. And it's so hard because it's like, you never, you never know what's too much until you've had, you actually have to go experience too much to actually know what too much is. So it does seem like on this kind of precarious, this precarious, like, emotional, like, tightrope. But I mean, I don't know. That's the price of the ticket for, like, you know, these characters and what they're trying to get at, you know? So I don't, I don't know. I can only, um, I can only assess danger from places that I have been or that I know my friends have been. And so I, like, operate from there. But like, it's like, I can't, there's something that feels irresponsible if I give license to some person that's going to go out and who knows where they're going to go with it. Right. So like, I'm always just like, I'm like, yo, like the only thing I can offer is this is why I write cautionary tales. (laughs) So yeah, like. On page 74, you write this out and it's a question and I want to ask it to you. Let's say for a moment you find yourself confined in a room of fractured rays of light, or we could say little rainbows to make them sound prettier. Now, would you feel empowered or like you were being attacked? Yeah. I'm asking you. Oh, how would I, (laughs) wait, like how would I feel? Would you feel empowered or would you feel like you were being attacked? Oh my God. Like if I feel like if I'm on mushrooms, I could feel both ways simultaneously. And that'd be fine too. Like, so... Let's leave it at that. (laughs) My favorite story in the book is called Early Retirement. It's about a struggling actor who actually has a day job manicuring weed to pay the bills. It's about the classic push and pull between being spiritually fed and literally being fed and figuring out what that means in a capitalist society. You're a musician, a dancer, a writer. Are you spiritually fed in this capitalist society? Has it come easy? Um, I do better than most. Uh, <laughs> Again, the look. <laughs> like, yeah, I definitely, I definitely do better than most. But then also, I don't know. Like, it's, I think, like anybody, it's been like an extreme. Like, it's been an extreme struggle. Um, 
there's definitely I can talk about my life with like some people. There's some people who I think it's think it's a like funny or a joke that like I'm still poor, you know. Mm. Um, I was just talking to an author yesterday who got. Uh, like, anyway, quite prestigious nominations, like nationwide prestigious nominations. But if you Google their name, it says that they make $2 million or are worth $2 million. And this person couldn't stop laughing to me. They have like a hospital job. Like they do not make like $2 million. They're like trying to like pay their rent like anybody else. Um, and they thought that, that's just so funny, that dissonance, right? Like when you can make something and get this established like name around that thing but at the end of the day like broke is broke no like there's no i think also the over democratized kind of way art moves like there's no way you're not like doing as much as you can to keep like the bills like paid and i mean i think essentially like when you do these works like or like when you write a book what most people are hoping to do is like kind of um use that I don't know, use that leverage for like, I don't know, like the university circuit, then just like, you know, write some essays here and there. Like, I know so many like career writers who essentially just use the, like their annual novel to like advertise themselves as like educators, this, you know, that like this, that, the other. Um, But in, in terms of my own path with writing, I don't know, like that was so the mode when I moved here. I don't even think I ever thought about it till now till like I feel like I can't really do that work anymore but of course everybody like you were in school for a little bit you fucking you know you worked the door of the club you went trimming up in the mountains for like a week or two to like trim some weed like you stayed you went back to school like you made the work like it was like kind of like this cycle of like you know any way you could get like support to like fund the stuff so I feel like it's always kind of been like, what's the word? It was always, we always had to do a lot of stuff to keep the boat afloat. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was always, it was always school, weed trimming, waitressing, working at the club or doing like the local performance. Like the way you interacted with it kind of happened in this cycle of work over the year. And we, the, the community of artists I knew, we were all kind of like running that gauntlet of like kind of gig economy artwork. So it it seemed more natural to me to be doing that than like like not, but but you still did it. Like like Oh you- yeah. I had no choice. Yeah. No, but you also didn't like give up on the writing or the like artistic endeavors. You know what I mean? Like I feel like so many people are like, no, this balance is like too exhausting and not rewarding enough. But you didn't succumb to that. Why? It was the only way for me to chart my life, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I think it was also like the only reason why I continued to went and went to school. Cause you know, of like a lot of people that I feel like I came up with here in San Francisco, not that I'm even dissing this, but like your life could so easily be like, okay, I spent 20 years working at a bar or I've spent 20 years being, you know, I spent like 15 years, like, like being a waiter, you know? And like, it keeps you along and it floats you, but it's also just like, I feel like that's how people lose a lot of years. And also when I got the paper or I completed a piece of art, I could chart my life. 
Like I could look when someone like hands me, when I look at a record or I look at like a title of a dance or a movie, I could be like, okay, this was 2016. I was dating so-and-so. I lived at this part of the thing. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to like where your life could just be like one long drum of just like working and you can't chart it at all because all the years have blended together. So I don't know. I think it's also like in keeping in like a spiritual practice, it's something that really kind of keeps you sane and actually kind of shows how you how your life pr- progresses or whatever especially like for queer people and people that don't really like have children or like all those the lives we don't have those kind of cultural milestones in life that are built in that straight people do that you know kind of lets us know if we are actually moving ahead in time so i think that those things are kind of important to me or those questions were important to me Thank you, Brontes. This is great. Anything for you, love.